0: Welcome to The Experience, sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya. Welcome back to another episode of The Experience, brought to you by Avaya, where we're bringing you thought provoking conversations with industry leaders, technologists, creators, influencers, and others we are bringing to life the future of experiences. I'm Steve Forkham and on the show today, I'm joined by Avaya's Educational Vertical Director, Julie Johnston. Julie is here today to discuss trends in next generation learning tools and how those tools can be best utilized to attract and retain students in the current era of declining university enrollment. Julie, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Steve. Great to be here.
0: So I love talking to my colleagues and really understanding everybody's backstory because, you know, everybody's got these unique journeys that they've gone on that have brought them to Avaya. Your backstory, you came from academia. Can you share a little bit about your past, where you came from, and what attracted you to join Avaya?
1: Sure. So I've actually been in leadership for quite some time in academia. I started out as school-level leadership at Indiana University in the School of Education. So at that point, I was more of a faculty line teaching adjunct professor, teaching technology classes for teachers, as well as directing the personnel who support the faculty. So at that point in my career, I was really looking at how do you utilize technology to improve the educational process, which... We're still asking that question, and we're going to get into that a little bit more today. And my leadership journey grew, and I really wanted to grow. So I went on to become a K-12 school director, technology director, where we were at the point where we were looking at the whole one-to-one for students. This was back about 15 years ago when it was in its infancy. So we were launching iPads and Chromebooks and really exploring what's best practice, how can it improve the educational process, etc. At that point, I got another opportunity to go back where I started to Indiana University, where I had a variety of leadership roles at the university level with learning space design, AV design, collaboration technology, and then leading the learning technologies team during COVID, which that's another story in itself for another day. Although We may talk a little bit about what the new normal is coming out of that. The next step for me, I think, was that I really was ready to take what I've learned over my entire career and be a leader to help all universities. And that's what's really excited me about coming to Avaya is that even in the short months I've been here, the varying amounts of universities that I've talked to and learning their challenges. And it's really a value add because I've been there. I've done that. Or if I haven't done that, I know someone who has, as well as just the whole problem solving. I think creative problem solving with someone who's also a higher ed professional is quite valuable. And then I can lean on the Avaya team who are experts in their field. And it's just been a really great match to bring to the sales teams.
0: That's awesome. One of my favorite podcasts, Professor Scott Galloway from NYU Stern talks about the crisis that higher ed is undergoing right now. And that's really borne out by research. National Student Clearinghouse reported that undergrad enrollment had fallen by over 600,000 students since the spring of 21, nearly 1.4 million students since the beginning of the pandemic. This really illustrates that Americans are not only questioning the value of higher ed, but many universities are experiencing a decline in enrollment and revenue. What are some of the ways in which these institutions can better attract and retain students during this period of kind of decline and turmoil?
1: Well, it's actually something where we start with the question, why are we losing the students or why are they not coming? And so each university, maybe it's somewhat different, but you need the data behind it. So ask the why, why are we losing them? Why do they not want to come? Is it competition? Is it other job opportunities? And then what can we do? For me, I feel like some of the questions are resounding for all universities, not just specific to one. So, for example, we make things difficult and it's frustrating. So all of our systems are so departmentalized and the students have to navigate all that. We don't meet them where they are. We don't meet them with all of the ways that they want to communicate. A lot of times it's a simple phone call where you play phone tag with your advisor or phone tag with the registrar. And then getting back, they're busy too. So how can we personalize it? How can we bring tools that bring all of the university settings together and then make it easy where the students can find the answers to the question or they can get the help they need and not become frustrated immediately? You would want to catch them in their freshman year where they really understand and they don't understand all the processes. What can you do to help them? And then what about recruitment? What can you do to recruit students so that they are getting the answers to their questions? I've talked to a lot of colleagues lately that their own children are trying to navigate, where do I go to school? And they talk about the universities that get it right between or the ones that are, they had difficulty with. And the ones that got it right had systems in place where the answers to the questions are there for them at their fingertips. And then the personnel customizes the experience and gives them that kind of one-on-one experience that they need, too. So it's all of those general questions. Let's get them answered. And then how can we personalize it and make the student feel like they're important, too, and we want you to be here?
0: As my daughter's in school, my son just graduated. And you can clearly see some of the struggles in meeting the students where they are. And you kind of touched on part of the challenge is just offering the different touch points. And that's an ever-growing surface area that just keeps adding and adding. But it's not one of those, well, if I do this, then I can replace that. And when we talk about enterprise space, we talk about uh, adding different digital channels into your organization to support the millennials. Because as the saying goes, they don't like to talk on the phone. They want to text. Until they do you know like when something was serious i don't remember what the issue was i think it was something to do with financial aid or something my daughter was not going to text at that moment she wanted to talk to an expert and to reach them and enabling that that level of digital transformation isn't just in the business world it also really applies even more importantly especially based on what i'm paying on tuition to the education space so can you share a little bit of how are universities digitally transforming as a result of how education is transformed today and just the day-to-day student life, as you illustrated.
1: Right. So, in fact, I just uh, returned from Educause where I had a pretty detailed conversation with some of my former colleagues on what is digital transformation. And it's it's a very generic term. And digital transformation in the corporate world means creating efficiencies, using technology to ensure that your clients and customers are well taken care of and efficient. It's not really that different at a university level. Our students are the clients. Are we being efficient for them? Are we meeting them where they are? And so what can we do? We can look at really improving our contact center experience, our support center experience, where the support center is a one-stop shop for all students, not where they have to call all these different departments and then routed to the right professional. The universities are having trouble with keeping personnel too, just like we talk about the students. The personnels are this whole great resignation. So what can we do to leverage technology for, Steve, you mentioned she wanted chat until she didn't. So can chat be the way to get those generic answers to the questions, then freeing up the time and the energy for those personalized, really important questions. And so it's alleviating that time and of answering the questions that are over and over and over, like where's the academic calendar reside? Mm. That's easy to find, right? But you shouldn't use your personnel for a phone call for that. Or what do I owe on my parking pass this year? Those are easier. So yeah, how can we personalize the experience for the students yet leveraging technology so that the initial experience isn't frustrating, but inviting and engaging, kind of the welcoming campus approach.
0: Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point you make, because not only should it not be in the university's kind of benefit to have those types of transactional interactions handled by a human, but frankly, the student doesn't want to talk to a person to handle that type of stuff. So looking across that growing surface area where these touch points are happening, And not only supporting them, but understanding what happens here, what's optimized here, and frankly, what's not optimized here. Because a lot of times what I've found is people use digital channels because they think they're shortcutting the long wait in queue to talk to somebody, but it just creates more of a challenge for you, right? Right. When we look at today's world, the benefits of a traditional college degree are beginning to lose impact. Uh, Large employers, I think I read Apple and others are dropping the requirement for higher ed completion. What other types of learning opportunities are out there? And and how important is it for universities to innovate and adapt when it comes to creating value for students and encouraging them and convincing them, frankly, this is the right place for you, not just for this four-year period, but for the rest of your life?
1: Right, and so you know, the universities have to think, this is the way we've always done it, we're gonna continue, and we really do have to pivot. If you look at what the, like you mentioned, the trends and what Google's credentialing is. So, you know, there are some universities are really looking at how do you leverage credentialing, even within the coursework, so that the students can set themselves apart and already show value-added learning with credentialing and the degree. And just ways to do that to differentiate them uh, as far as when they market themselves in the go-to-market or the LinkedIn. So let's give an example. So Dr. Feltus from Clemson University uses Spaces Learning, which is an Avaya product. And yeah. within Spaces Learning, he teaches his students a variety of skills. But along the way, those students within the portal of Spaces Learning, which is a very experiential learning platform, very engaging forward thinking, a Mm -hmm. little bit beyond the normal coursework. But the students obtain these badges or what we call micro-credentials along the way that they can then be posted to LinkedIn, posted to their own portfolios, however they decide to do that. But what can we do at a university to ensure that just the degree at the four-year period isn't what we're providing them? Obviously, that's a value added and important, but those kind of lessons learned along the way and start adding those as I know this skill set and then leveraging what can we see what what jobs are on the market for the skills I have, and not that they would actually take a job immediately, but they're being educated on these are the skills I'm obtaining and what can I do and and more tangible, more tangible and the future of education really.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, and especially in this economy, big tech is taking it on the chin right now. And that was kind of the path to success if you were going into college to get that ROI on the the cost of attaining your degree versus what you would earn coming out of school. And you almost need to be more agile as you're going we through it because, to your point, that trend is starting. That arc is starting to bend. There's been massive layoffs at pretty much all of the the fang stocks, if you will. So the ability for a student as they're going through, you know, the, the curriculum program to be agile and to change on the flyer to understand, maybe I need to adjust based off of the trends I'm seeing in the, in the space. That, that can be super, super important. And it, it kind of ties into leveraging personalization and supporting students through the use of technologies like AI. You mentioned spaces learning. How is that type of technology around personalization and support being used to enhance the learning process and the student experience?
1: So one of the ways is the embedded machine learning. And so the faculty members can, uh, with the topics that they have within the courses, leverage machine learning to provide all of the really latest and greatest articles on the topic. So you're not giving them a static textbook, but you're giving them a living textbook that lives and breathes on the current content that's out there, like a really high quality content because machine learning can go out there and really find those, I guess, learning paths for you. But not only that, I feel like one of the other ways is, if I'm a student and I'm thinking about going to a university, you're gonna discern that more. There's a little more of a, I guess, a competition. So what will make me want to attend a university? It used to be just reputation and or the campus experience. Now it's, what partnerships do you have with some of the high-end clients that that I wanna go and maybe get a job with? Do you have the the partnerships with these high-end corporations if I wanna be a tech professional, for example? And do you have these internships uh, available to me early on, not just my senior year? Are there opportunities where I can talk to other professionals via video chat, are you providing those kinds of opportunities for me? So there are so many other creative ways that we can really think about recruiting students and then keeping them.
0: That's interesting. The idea of an enduring workbook or schoolbook, again, I'm just putting my personal experience in Mm -hmm. there. The the cost of the schoolbooks is just astronomical. But the idea of A, making it a living document. So this becomes an asset that you invest in, again, not just to get through the four years, but for the balance of your professional career uh, is incredibly valuable. I think that also ties into some of the NFT possibilities, you know, by putting that on blockchain and making it a transferable asset could even drive it even farther. And it can support the publishers because now they can kind of tie into the secondary resale revenue stream that makes it hard today. It's just fascinating stuff.
1: I agree with you. If you think about most topics now that students are studying, there are some that a static textbook will be a static textbook no matter what, but a lot of our topics change. They change not maybe not daily, that might be too aggressive a statement, but they change weekly. I just recently mm-hmm. had a a conversation with a professor in the School of Media and think about a media degree. That's changed drastically and and so he is thinking about creating one, a more of a living textbook. He can't really adopt just a textbook. He has to really think about what are the resources, what are the things that have changed, and it really needs to grow with the student and grow with the times. And that's another way that we can recruit students. We don't want them thinking that, oh, I'm going to learn something that I can't translate to current times. Mm-hmm. We have to stay up, up with the trends as much as possible.
0: Yeah. And I think it shows value in the investment you're making, right? If I was buying a school book that I knew was going to be updated and current and constantly refreshed throughout the course of my professional career, that's a good, valuable investment. Buying a a textbook at the student store that I know I'm going to use for three, four months and then turn back. And I'm not sure which depreciates faster when you quote unquote, drive it off the lot, a brand new car or a brand new textbook.
1: Exactly. It's,
0: (laughs) It's fascinating. And I think there's a lot of potential there. We're seeing universities, as we talk about textbooks and tools throughout a professional career, we're seeing more and more universities building programs that create pathways to employment. That's ultimately the reason you go to school, right? It's mm-hmm. an investment mm-hmm. that you want to generate that return out of. And universities seem to be doing that by strengthening partnerships, as you pointed out, with major companies, nonprofits, startups, and you know other organizations. Why is it so important for students to know that they're investing in a university that's committed? To guiding and assisting them towards these types of jobs they like again personal story my son when he went to school he first chose the school based off the criteria you laid out i want to go to school in the city i don't know what i'm going to major in yet he was trying to decide between computer science and and theater and ended up a year into the school he decided i want to go to computer science but had to change schools because it wasn't a computer-sized school so how are universities kind of adjusting to that model and really kind of selling not Your old decision tree of we've got a great campus, we've got a great curriculum towards we're going to help you actually get the return on the investment you're going to make here over the next four to six years.
1: Obviously, those partnerships and just the activities along the way, some of the really value added and I've the lessons learned I've had even at Indiana University, where the types of opportunities that we created that were connected with major. Organizations and companies where even the actual assignments were connected to real world. The students were interviewed and said they they couldn't go to sleep thinking about their project. They were thinking about it so much because they were so excited. And bringing in those professionals to talk to them and give them guidance and then present to the professionals this real world type of activity. It's like none other. And these are the ones where when they graduate, they're going to talk about those. They're not going to talk about the multiple choice test, and they're not going to even maybe talk about that A they got on that test. They're going to talk about those experiences. And, you know, Avaya talks about experiences that matter, but it translates really to life and to education. You know, you want to create experiences that matter, the ones that you're going to talk about later saying, when I was a sophomore at X university, we connected and we did this and it was real world. So that's one way. And another way would be just the whole how can you, even during recruitment, personalize the experience? So if you're on campus, what could technology do to create an experience where you, for example, say you're interested in XYZ, but you also want to connect them with what they care about, not just an academic, but maybe they love music, maybe they love sports, maybe they love dance, whatever it is, and ensuring that technology could guide the way and show them at this university here you should visit this artificial intelligence we can do that we can now we can create these experiences that are personalized i see that you're on campus today i understand that you love music you should stop by the school of music they're having a concert etc cetera, etc cetera. just what can we do to make sure that the students feel welcome
0: well wow, that's fascinating i mean you're talking about the idea of like geofencing and proactive outreach to students based off of profile and student context. And you also kind of hit on a point, just like the workplace of today is undergoing some dynamic change. Work is no longer somewhere you go, but something you do. Learning is really going through the same kind of iteration of learning is something that you do, not somewhere you go. And it's also really moving into, I think, ahead of work, actually, into an asynchronous model. Where it's no longer something you do at a specific time. It happens around your schedule. So, what are what are some of the more exciting trends that you've observed when it comes to the anytime, anywhere digital learning environment?
1: This is a subject that's near and dear to my heart. This was actually the conversations we had right out of the pandemic. And our first challenge was the students are coming back, but they're really not coming back to the campus in the same way. They're coming back with the need to be on campus for a class, and then they're coming back with, then I need to jump into an online class, or perhaps they're coming back with, I need to be somewhere for a video meeting, but then I need to jump into a class. And so learning tools that have the ability to navigate all of that are really where we need to head, where it's all in one. We need to have tools that are we're bringing the students to instead of taking the students away and what i mean by that is the students need to have everything that they need all in one so i want to jump into my content then i want to jump into my video then i want to maybe i want to text with my professor or a colleague and you know these are the the type of experiences that the students need now a lot of universities are trying to decide Are we going to be back to normal? Well, what is normal, the students really want flexibility. They want to be able to learn, like you mentioned, Steve, wherever. We have to remember that not all students have the robust laptops. So making sure that the tools we select are not the type of heavy, heavy um, laborious tools that won't run on a really lower end Maybe even an entry level laptop or an older laptop that's passed down and not, you know, this whole digital divide. But in addition to that, think about the fact that the students are now on campus, off campus, everywhere. And I'll tell you what the AI noise removal is a game changer. Uh-huh. It is a game changer for the faculty, it's a game changer for, for students. They have to learn, the faculty have to teach in lots of different situations. And there are barking dogs, there are crying children, they're in the library, everybody's running by them. Mm -hmm. And you you have to have tools where we're helping them succeed. And that is just a simple example of how that helps them succeed.
0: Yeah. And I think as we look to the future, right? So let's pull the crystal ball out. You know, there there are more experiential and experimental learning environments that are getting created in uh, augmented reality, virtual reality. Basically, every reality you can think of, extended reality, metaverse, uh, a lot of that's driven. You've talked about machine learning a bunch of times. What are some of the real world applications of these technologies in an educational context?
1: Yeah. So whenever I think about virtual reality, augmented reality, I ask the question first. So how can the technology bring the experience that you cannot otherwise participate in? And so, for example, in the field of medicine, that's a really great uh, example where Mm -hmm. not all students can be in an operational room at the same time, but they can experience that through virtual reality or augmented reality. That's an, an example where there's no way they could be there. Or maybe there's one where it's dangerous to be there. So, mechanical engineering with very high end machinery creating augmented experiences, virtual experiences where they can still interact in the same way, but they could obviously not be there. And then there's the, I don't have the money to travel around the world. And so these virtual reality experiences, same thing, where you can go anywhere you want around the world and it feels very authentic language acquisition in interacting with a language in a way that's a lot more authentic than just the typical CAN softwares that you have to, you could actually speak to someone from another language in lieu of. So that's just three off the top of my head.
0: Well, hey, Julie, I could sit here and talk all day with you about the whole education thing. It's just a fascinating space, but I know really you've got to run off. So <laughs> again, just want to thank you for joining the show.
1: Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again to Julie for coming on the show and giving us some insight into trends in next-gen educational tools, as well as the role of Avaya's cloud-based solutions in solving those needs. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to give us a rating and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Steve Forkum, and this has been The Experience, where we share insights into the future of customer and employee experiences.